the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, We have a lot to cover today, and uh, I just have a few minutes. I'm going to save some of my time. I'm going to speak today two updates, two important updates for you. So stay tuned for these interviews. Gregory Wrightstone, my friend, who runs the Carbon Dioxide Coalition. Carbon Coalition? I can't believe I'm doing it wrong now. <laughs> I'm getting it wrong on the on the air. I'll, I'll get it right when I'm talking to him. His website is co2coalition.com, co2coalition.com.org. Oh, man. Anyway, he, we're going to get an update from him on the um, mansion bill that is supposed to be so good for uh, debt reduction, inflation reduction. He says it's really bad. Uh, Gregory does. And also we will talk with Todd Benzman. This is an important debate. I read a piece that he wrote at the Center of Immigration Studies, Center for Immigration Studies, and I realized I got to have him on to walk us through. There's a superhighway that opened. The migrant superhighway, illegal immigration superhighway opened about a week ago. He needs to walk us through what that is, and you will be stunned, as you usually are. So tune in for that. All right, real quick, though, let me cover something I wanted to for a few days. Did you see the story that Jon Stewart was pushing for some legislation to help veterans of 9-11? Now, that got a lot of attention, and that bill ultimately was improved, I think, and passed. But two people got involved in that um, a policy argument. Jack Posobiec, our old friend, and Raheem Kassam, also an our old friend. Both of them, Jack got involved saying, I'm a veteran too. I want to support this, but I want to make it better. And John Stewart got all mad at him, yelled at him, but then they calmed down and they ended up working together. But Raheem Kassam uh, put up on social media that when he went over with Jack Posobiec, he got, John Stewart got in his face. Now, Raheem is kind of famous. You know, he's got the British accent. He was relatively famous when, um, his uh, friend and I think his old boss, Nigel Farage, was sort of at the top of his game. So John Stewart says to Raheem Kassam, and Raheem, Raheem, Raheem then uh, recounts this. He, John Stewart says, I hope that you're enjoying this. This is what he says. I hope, you're, I hope this is good for your brand. That's what John Stewart says to Raheem Kassam. Now, my point is just to say this. When the Democrats tell you, when they say something to uh, others, to conservatives, when liberals say things to conservatives and others, they often will say, accuse you, Tucker Carlson has said this, of doing the very thing they're doing. John Stewart is clearly using his support for the veterans to improve his brand. That, that, that's as clear as can be. He, his brand is a left winger on everything. And yet on this issue of, of the of the um, veterans, he is uh, he's he's changing his brand. So he accuses Raheem Kassam of the very thing that he's doing. That's how they always do it. The best example, of course, is the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. The Russia, Russia, Russia hoax was we accuse you, Trump, of colluding with the Russians. Turns out it was Hillary and the British and others that were colluding with the Russians. Now you wonder, January 6th, the accusation is. You, the people who came and uh, people who doubted the election, <clears throat> you are insurrectionists. You are committed to doing something against the, you know, the, the will of the people. Is that what they're doing? 
It's worth asking, right? Every other time you see liberals, they attack you and say, you're doing this. It's them that are doing it. It's very, very, very uh, good pattern. Tucker Carlson, again, has done segments on this. It's a good pattern to watch. And that's what you wonder. But I just watched that John Stewart thing, and I thought, you know, it's good that there are people on both sides of the aisle can get together and pass something that's meaningful, although it's lots of spending again and again and again. I mean, I wish we could cut some spending in bad places and spend it in good places, but it's good when there's that collaboration. But when it happens and when people object to some aspect of it, John Stewart says, oh, I hope it's good for your brand, Raheem Kassam. I think that's what you're doing, John. I think it's exactly what you're doing. That's the game you're playing. All right, we got to run. We will take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Gregory Wrightstone, and we will also visit with Todd Benzman. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'm very grateful. Our next guest, Gregory Wrightstone, is a longtime friend, so he's patient with me. We had some technical difficulties. He, of course, uh, is over among his many hats. He's an author and has uh, um, uh, been a leader, a public speaker uh, on the questions surrounding uh, so-called climate change and everything that's happened. If you go over to CO2Coalition.org, CO2Coalition.org, uh, you can see learn a lot more. There's a lot there, and that's one of the that's an organization that he heads up now and uh, is the leader of his executive director there. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone, welcome back. Thank you for your patience with me. And I always tell people, I believe it's geology. You're a geologist. So it's not like you're some English major like me who decides they go to law school and figure out what laws and policies should work. You're a geologist. You know science. So follow the science. And uh, how are you, Gregory? Oh, yeah, good. I'm a geologist. And, and so what we do, and I think geology, probably of all the sciences, there's a higher percentage of geologists that don't buy into this catastrophic man-made warming nonsense because we look at the big picture. We look at at long periods of time, thousands of millions of years, and if you if you want to believe that man is negatively affecting the climate, well, you better not look any further back than maybe a hundred or two hundred years. Uh, look, put it in the big thousands of year context uh our current warming trend is uh not nearly uh, as hot as previous uh, warming trends that were that were we can talk a little bit about that but the, those other ones were very beneficial uh well we're talking with gregory uh wrightstone and, and gregory one of the things i want to ask you uh, observation you know we watched uh greta Th- greta thunberg or i would say her last name and a few others sort of popular uh, uh, voices dominate the debate and make us sort of all say, oh, if we want to be nice to children, we should do X or Y. And then we have uh, President Trump who said, um, look, uh, why is uh, why is uh, Germany making decisions to end up relying on Russia for oil and gas? Well, lo and behold, Germany is rushing to put nuclear energy back online because they realize, hey, that's uh, that works uh, better than we thought. And we don't want to be relying on other people. My point here is we weren't following the science, right? I mean, we were being told to follow the emotions, follow the politics, and we were being led in lots of ways. And I guess one one thing is you are a scientist. You make a lot of arguments about, hey, let's look at this. Let's be smart about it. But there's a lot of distrust now of any science. They just say, somebody's lying to me, whether it's Fauci, Burks, the World Health Organization, Greta Thunberg. I mean, she's not a scientist, but you get my point. How do you kind of fight through that and, and give people a sense? Hey, look, here's the, I mean, one answer to me is don't make major catastrophically large trillion dollar decisions based on a guess or based on what you think the narrative is. But I think it's a problem, the, the lack of confidence in expertise. Well, 
It is. And, and well, part of it is they're, they're promoting people as experts that, uh, should be, but they're not really following the science, like you say. And the other problem we have is really is getting our message out. So thank you for having me on so we can talk about this, but it's, it's how do we get this out? Cause if everywhere we go, we're stifled. Uh, I was just, my LinkedIn account was permanently canceled uh, a month ago. Uh, the CO2 coalition's LinkedIn account was removed on Saturday. Our economics associate had his taken down by LinkedIn last week. So uh, the people at LinkedIn apparently don't like uh, the CO2 coalition or their employees. And, and that's because we post, we post the science that you're talking about. We post stuff that, shows how how many how beneficial carbon dioxide is more co2 and that's our big mantra is pushing the notion that more co2 is a huge benefit to earth's ecosystems and to humanity because because of that the vegetation from the the very near arctic areas to the equator are just exploding right. and crops are breaking records from both the cold and the warm countries, India's crops are breaking records and it's because of modest warming and increasing CO2. And uh, that's a good thing. We should, we should. Yeah. We should right. That's, that's a, that's not, that doesn't sound like a bad thing to me or to the Indians. I are talking again with Gregory Wrightstone, executive director over at uh, the CO2 coalition, CO2 coalition.org, CO2 coalition.org. Now I did a couple things. One on your email, you sent me an email and gave me a whole bunch of great data. We'll talk about some of that in a second. But at the bottom is a quote from Voltaire. It says, it's dangerous to be right in matters where established men are wrong. Tell me about that. That feels like the perfect message for you and where you are. And in some ways, I'd say you're, you, you've had a long career, successful. You're sort of fearless. Maybe you always were. Maybe when you were 25, you were this fearless. But you're willing to take this now. But, I mean, you're, the, the, you know, the, the, the line is perfect. Uh, established men are wrong. If you're right, it's dangerous. How, how, tell me about that. Well, it is. For, for example, the CO2 coalition, is, we, we have over 100 of the top scientists and experts in the world. Uh, again, we all believe primarily that CO2 is beneficial, number one. Uh, but these are, we've got three astronauts. We've got some of the physicists that are the, the top physicists of our time uh, that are part of our group. And, and so, you know, we celebrate this, but uh, we just had a, a Will Happer, uh, Dr. Will Happer. Uh, yeah, yep, I know the name, sure. Yep. Is just uh, one of the top physicists, again, of our time and world renowned. We had another gentleman with a PhD that was going through tenure process that wanted to become a men- member. Uh, Will said, Will counsel him. He says, Look, you don't want to do this. You do not want to join our group until you, you after you get tenure, come and talk to us. He says, if you, if you join us, you'll be canceled. You're, you won't get tenure. He says, I've seen it before. You won't get tenure and you may be fired. And, and that's what we face. Uh, we're, we're looking to hire uh, a senior scientist or chief scientist right now. Uh, and, we're talking about. 
We're talking with Gregory Wrightstone. Gregory, um, uh, now let me ask you about this part of part of the email. Um, and and this one came in, I think, uh, earlier on Wednesday, and I, and I saw it. You you get every time I turn around, and I, I mean, this is politics. I'm not I'm not judging it completely. I don't want to be too uh, I don't want to be too silly. I mean, Kamala Harris is put out there to say things, and I think she says things herself that are sort of more dramatically. It's sort of her style. So she comes out and says the recent flooding in in Kentucky. Um, she decided that that's all because of climate change and it's the worst she's ever seen. I don't know. One of the, one of the residents said it's the worst they've ever seen. So that, that was A and B. She puts it together. Uh, your point here on this is like, Hey, be, be respectful of crisis. There's no doubt about it, but don't, don't be uh, out of proportion to what's happening. I mean, and that, and that, that's, uh, she seems to do that a lot. Yeah. And the gentleman they quoted, he looked like he was maybe early thirties. So he probably, it was a bad flood. It was it was a rare and unusual flood, but right. it's not unprecedented. And my right. point was, he, he has not he, he's not seen flooding <laughs> like that in his lifetime. Right. But his grandparents and great grandparents did. Uh, the biggest flood of all, well, the big one was 1913. There was a huge flood, uh, and then there was one back in 1881. We don't don't have a whole lot of data. Those two were were quite likely much worse than this one. But the biggest one of all was 1937. Uh, probably the biggest flood in Kentucky's history. And what is the biggest flood in Kentucky's history? But again, it's there there were no SUVs being driven in nineteen thirty seven. We weren't adding CO two to the atmosphere. These were naturally driven events. They they occur rarely, thank God. Um that that the, they do occur rarely, but they happen. Tragedies and natural disasters happen. The fact of the matter is natural disasters are in decline. Mm. It's declined. Natural disasters have declined 10% since the year 2000 and deaths from severe events have declined worldwide by 98%. And it's completely opposite of what we're being told. Yeah. Uh, we're again, we're talking with Gregory Wrightstone. I encourage uh, our listeners, if you go to co2coalition.org, there's a lot of there, there. They got a blog. They got news, uh, media, uh, publications. Uh, uh, Gregory, I, I saw your comment. I think it was sent to me. And I wanted to ask you about it on the, um, on the, the so-called, I mean, it says so they got these names that are always sort of, uh, the, the, they should do a, they should do a, um, a, 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 an act, a law that's called the, uh, the names are never honest act. So we can all just celebrate that. But the, the law that was, being floated is called the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, Senator Joe Manchin got a lot of attention for being the one who sort of orchestrated this. Again, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of spending. Uh, but w- what's the deal in terms of the so-called effect on climate or the so-called impact on green energy? What do you what do you see in this? And tell me what your your thoughts are on what Manchin uh, has agreed to. Well, he got snookered because he he. he- Cut the deal because he thought he could get the Mountain Valley Pipeline approved. The Mountain Valley Pipeline has already gone through the federal permits approvals. He's gotten all those. It's being held up in the courts legally by environmental wackos. Right. Uh, but the effect on the – he says Biden has stated that uh, the goal of this act will be to reduce emissions by 40%. And I took a look at what would that mean in terms of averting any temperature rise. And – CO2 is a greenhouse gas. More of it means that the atmosphere will warm a little bit, uh, not as much as they say. Now, let's look a look at exactly what would 40% reduction in the United States mean. It would mean, and he said this by 2030, we'd have 40% reduction. I looked at it by 2050, 
A 40% reduction would mean averting two one-hundredths of a degree. Two one-hundredths of a degree. <laughs> oh, wow. Good wow. Lord. Uh, what, and we're going to spend, what, $800 billion to, for two hundredths of a degree? That's that's almost below our ability to measure it. And <laughs> they don't even look at things like this. Do you, um, Gregory, do you, when you look at what's happening, have we, uh, you know, I, I, I often quote this, um, I often refer to this gentleman who was on the show who said, you know, I, he was an observer at the UN and he said, by the time the Trump term got to the end, he said there had been a lot of progress, but it really was just sort of starting to take. And the fact that he didn't win meant that the Biden folks came in and just just pretty rapidly just reversed everything. And so this man was bemoaning the fact that in terms of getting the U.N. to be more accountable and transparent, and, and I'm talking broadly, not just on any one issue. He said it was you know almost like you you missed a chance because you got progress. By the time you got there, Trump was out. Um, do you feel that on this issue? I mean, there was there was real yeah. energy in the country. Pardon my pun for we, we were happy to be independent. We were we had come to terms, I think, as, as a nation. People were like, OK, we can handle fracking. We understand what's going on. There were generation four nuclear talked about all the time. You know, the Saudis were sort of begging us to do things with them and to not, you know, give them too much trouble because they saw that we had some independence. And and again, I, broadly speaking, all that was happening. And and is are you sort of are you sitting there saying, my gosh, it's been reversed. Do we have enough momentum that we can envision after one term of Biden to get back to the progress? How do you feel about it? Well, energy, he, he did really good with energy. He just basically, he got out of the way and let the American entrepreneurs do what they do best. And the and American oil and gas entrepreneurs do that. And they did. They responded. And uh, But in the climate change arena, it was very disappointing. I think he realized too late about how deep the swamp was and how deeply right. ingrained it was. He, what he should have done was cleaned house immediately and got, and I know that Will Happer was in, in the Trump administration. Right. He was our, our chair now. Uh, very disappointed. Not more, more not more was done. Uh, he left after a year because nothing, he was promoting what's called the red team, blue team uh, discussion when it comes to climate change, where you, we have actually a debate right. on, on one side and the other, and let's let's talk about it. What, what does the science tell us? Right, and they got nowhere. Uh, right. And in fact, they, he had just assembled a true dream team. Trump did at the end of the administration of Pat Michaels, Ryan Malley, uh, John Christie, uh, and David Legates, just top climate people, uh, to take a look at the National Climate Assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was that was that was, of course, we, it didn't happen because Trump was not elected, and they were all summarily fired. Right. Yeah, I, it, it does make you, and, and I think, um, you know, insofar as it's easy to articulate to people, gas prices went up faster than they should have because of decisions that one administration made and inflation because of lots of impacts, including the high energy costs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you, you, you wish, uh, you wish people would understand the, um, complexity, the issues that are sometimes complex, but mostly you just need to stop the bleeding at this point. So, uh, Gregory Wrightstone, again, let me make sure to say the website, go to co, uh, excuse me, co2coalition.org, co2coalition.org. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone is there. You can get in touch with him through that. Lots of CO2 facts, lots of information. Uh, thanks as always, Gregory, for coming on the show. You bet, Ed. 
All right, everybody, we'll take a break. And uh, by the way, I'll go back and find a couple of the interviews with Gregory back um, in the day. We did one on, uh, it was great. We did one on um, some of the, he had gone back and looked at some of the weather patterns and some of the the way it's characterized. And he had shown exactly what happened. There's a lot there. I'll go back and get those interviews and put them up on social media again. Uh, and um, again, uh, CO2coalition.org. We'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Todd Benzman, who is the Senior National Security Fellow over at the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. CIS.org. If you're not going there, both to, both to check Todd and his work and also his colleagues there do good work. Well, Todd Benzman has a post a day or so ago. The title is New Migrant Superhighway Bringing the World from South America to Texas. So welcome back, Todd Benzman. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. Well, and so I'm I'm looking at this piece and it's some of what you've been talking about for months to us. But in some ways, you're sort of describing now the, all the pieces came together. It's like if you were building a superhighway, you'd have to have this off ramp, that off ramp. You'd have to have some uh, pavement here. Well, now all the pieces are put together. I guess that's the that's the point. Walk us through this what where the superhighway comes from and what it means it's not a path it's not a little uh uh you know wandering path it's a superhighway walk us through this right so first of all the darien gap is uh, a passageway that is notorious now and more well known to most americans than it has been in years and years because of uh, press coverage, a lot of press coverage. Right. That is how people get from the entire rest of the world through Colombia to Panama on the on the, the main route into uh, Mexico and then the United States. Well, you know, almost fifty percent of everybody hitting the border is now from someplace other than Central America or Mexico. They're from one hundred and fifty different countries. And last year, 140,000 people made this 10-day, painful, savage, dangerous trek through the Darien jungle. It's uh, 60 miles on foot uh, to get to Panama. Uh, And then from there, it's, it's kind of a cakewalk by comparison. And there was a lot of press coverage about this. And the Mayorkas... DHS Secretary Mayorkas and Anthony Anthony Blinken went down there and cut a deal secretly, quietly with the Panamanians to shorten the route to make it so that it's only a two-day trip over much less forbidding terrain. And that has been in place since February, March. And almost nobody is doing the big dangerous trip that most Americans who are paying attention to this are familiar with. It takes about two days. The Panamanian, uh, the equivalent of the Coast Guard, has pulled its vessels back from blocking the coastline on the Caribbean side so that the smuggling boats can land Hmm. and get into Panama. So, I mean, it's this official government endorsement of smuggling to make it easier uh, through there. And that was done by diplomatic agreement with the administration. 
is that's uh, the first. Yeah, yeah keep Go going. Ahead. No, keep going. No, no. I, I, I that's it. That, that's, I, I want st- to. I want to ask you a million questions, but I want you to f- finish the sort of flow. Okay. Yeah. So then, the other sort of impediment and speed bump that people coming in from all around the world were facing was in southern Mexico, and the Trump administration uh, threatened the Obrador administration in twenty. 18, 2019, to block up that route coming into southern Mexico with National Guard, with troops, soldiers. And, you know, people could get through it, but it was, uh, you know, they were holding them back there until there were 30, 40, 50, 60,000 at a time. It was somewhat of an impediment. Eventually, they would let everybody go after three or four months. But it was, uh, you know, it was a deterrent for probably some. And it did slow the the role a little bit. Well, after a whole lot of shuttle diplomacy with the Biden Blinken uh, uh, departments, uh, Mexico is now handing out to everybody these fast pass visas. There's no longer, uh, uh, you know, bo- uh, National Guard holding them back. They're no longer, they're just making no pretense. And so everybody gets this pass right it's like a seven-day transit pass and then a 30-day one in this other town that gives them the legal right to head straight to the u.s border and that's what's happening now you've got uh a between the darien gap and now this new agreement what the biden administration has been saying that they wanted all along which was a safe humane and orderly migration to the u.s border that's their that's their mantra what what uh, what we're talking with uh todd bensman and and again you 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 all need to are listening need to read this piece we're we're basically walking through his essay which is over at cis.org new migrant superhighway bringing the world from south america to texas um todd uh the effect of this right until now I mean, again, to be to use the metaphor that captures your imagination, you know, they cut the ribbon on the new superhighway. Now it's open. And so what you have is sort of um, very little friction, very little uh, problem getting from where to where. I mean, getting from, you know, Central Africa to the American border. Okay, but so walk me through where to where. Is that what's happening? Is it it, or is it all of Latin America is lining up and saying now's the time for, you know, uh, to get there? You know, in in your piece, you quote a a, a, you 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 um, extract a quote from an interview. I think a Venezuelan uh, uh, person, a man uh, did when he was talking about, yeah, it's time to get the quick pass and go. So what's the dynamic now that the superhighways open? What's the dynamic? Is it is it flooding from the Latin America? Is it from all over the world? Is it both? Is it what are the numbers? What do you what, what do you expect to happen now? Well, first of all, I'm going to totally steal your cut the ribbon. Uh, OK, comment there. <laughs> I'll uh, use that somewhere. OK, uh, but yes, the, the effect is that the route is the, t- the two biggest speed bumps uh, and deterring speed bumps are now gone on that route and we can expect to see huge numbers of people and we are already down there from africa every country on the continent over there i mean from you you name a country in africa guinea burkino faso 
Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Liberia, Mauritania, Somalia are all present in significant numbers on this route and coming through and showing up at the border. Also from the Middle East, uh, as I often talk about from all countries of the Middle East, from China, from Asia, from South Asia, from really the entire world and a lot from Colombia and Venezuela and Ecuador and Brazil and Cuba and Haiti. Hmm. Those people are showing up in huge numbers at the border in increasing numbers because we're letting them in. Hmm. We are rewarding those particular nationalities with entry and to stay pretty much forever. We're probably never going to get them out. There are just too many of them. And so uh, we're looking at about um, 7,000 a day uh, now crossing over the border. And uh, this is all done a little bit in advance of the ultimate lifting of Title 42, which is what everybody is waiting for and what everybody's coming for. Uh, the rest of Title 42, which is the uh, very important uh, pandemic-related instant expulsion policy that Trump put in, Biden kept in place, although he opened up huge exemptions in it, which is why we have the problem we have now, just the exemptions. When the rest of it uh, falls, uh, we we should be seeing the 12,000 to 18,000 a day number. That's what that's about. It's safe, humane, and orderly is how the Biden administration constantly, if you listen to anything they say, either the president or Mayorkas there, they're all, they're all cued in to that. that safe. Uh, 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 um, Todd Benzman is our guest, CIS.org, the national security, uh, uh, fellow uh, there at the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, Todd, your piece ends with a paragraph uh, before this about this is basically the Biden uh, policy, often stated goal. And then it finishes with this sentence. It just should not go unnoticed. That's you writing, saying, I laid all this out and now here's what it is. It should not go unnoticed. But it is right, Todd. I mean, I know I do this to you every time. I mean, other than you talking about it and writing about it, it's not getting. I mean, if this was in another time, this would lead the news, I think, or maybe well, let's say it differently in another nation. It would probably lead the news and, and, and imperil a government, I suppose. Here, does even Fox News cover it? No, I mean, none of this is none of this has gotten American coverage. I mean, all, if you look at my piece, all the links, you're going to need your Google translator to, right. to yeah, exactly, uh, read it exactly. because it's all Spanish language uh, media. Now, yeah. the, the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal and all the big you know, publications right. have been down to the Darien Gap and they've done these huge, great stories. I mean, good coverage of the Darien Gap. But mm -hmm. if that's the last word on those papers, that means their huge readership still think that it's this big, horrible 10-day death-defying march that's uh, somewhat of an impediment uh, right. because almost nobody is on the, that route anymore. It's over. So at some point, they're going to have to update that there's a, a shortcut that Mayorkas arranged. Right. Uh, and with the Panamanian government that they arranged. So 
you know, that's kind of a, a twist in the story. It <laughs> it's changed, a, kind of, it's, it's kind a of new, a major it's a new development. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of a major story, a major, a major piece of the puzzle. I mean, again, um, I, 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 I guess the question in my mind is why? I mean, it, it just as a matter of policy, you, you lay it out. It's kind of interesting, right? Here's a, you got a, a title 42 overlay. You've got a, uh, a, a, a path that is dangerous. Uh, you've got a, uh, bureaucratic decisions. You've got international affairs, all these overlays. I mean, it's, it's almost like there's a little bit of everything. Whatever your interest is, is here. And yet it's not covered. I mean, I, I don't, I, I know why. I think I know why, but it is still surprising to me. Right. Well, I mean, it's not hard to cover. You can, I mean, I did it from Austin. You know, I didn't even have to go right. down. I've been to the dairy. I've right. been to the Darien. Right. I've been all along, all along the trail. I'm just saying that it's, it's, I think that, that this story of the crisis, uh, to the extent that it's gotten covered, has gotten grudging, reluctant coverage. Like you just, they, we have to do this, darn it. Right. Uh, because it makes the Democrats just look terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and it raises a debate. These things are all publicly debatable. For example, uh, you know, one reason that Mayorkas could say that he shortened, put, put these shortcuts in is because the long route was super dangerous and all kinds of children were right. dying, right. And right. pregnant right. women on that right. route. So right. here it's le- it's less dangerous. However, when you make it less dangerous, more people can come. Right. And why are you making it possible for more people to come instead of blocking them there right. and having repatriation flights fly them all back to Africa and Haiti and everywhere else? So it's just a fair debate to have. Yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 to, to, to your point, I mean, again, Todd Benzman's our guest, CIS.org. To your point, Todd, it is a, it, it, there is, there's arguments to be made on all sides. If people want to make them genuinely right, they could say, hey, it's it's safer to stop the dairy and gap run. They could say they're coming anyway. We'd rather do it like this. They could say we have a policy preference. They could say a lot of things. And instead, the problem is the country is watching, not watching. The country's not seeing the decision made on a major, major issue for our nation. We're not seeing it. We're just it's just happening. And I think that's the right. Thing that's or, still- or, you know, uh, you know, down in southern Mexico, I've been to Tapachula, you know, many times. That's right. where all that's happening. And I've been to the National Guard. Uh, you know, they've got them at roadblocks and they block traffic and they check all the buses and trucks and pull people off and send them back. Right. Well, now the same National Guard is escorting caravans north, 16 mm-hmm. caravans in the just the month of July. Instead of blocking them, they're escorting them. (laughs) I mean, this is like a sea change in, you know, mass migration patterns. And that's a story. If you covered the the original deployment of that National Guard, then now their duty seems to be changing. You know, that's a legitimate Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Todd Benzman. Thank you. As always, uh, everyone go to CIS.org. There's a lot of, to read there. Todd's stuff, especially, but others. Uh, thanks, Todd. Be safe. And we'll talk again very soon. Uh, I assume uh, it's important stuff, guys. I'll, I'll go put on social media all my interviews with Todd or I'll link back to the last few. It's the best way to learn what's going on there. And uh, nobody else is talking about it. So uh, why right, we take a break, though. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. 
Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas of the Department of Homeland Security is not someone that I share a lot of political common ground with. However, the Biden appointee and I have voiced at least one common view recently. He released a statement saying that human smugglers who sneak people across our border are, quote, callous individuals who have no regard for the vulnerable people they exploit and endanger in order to make a profit, end quote. I couldn't agree more with Secretary Mayorkas. The only problem is that Mayorkas does not seem to practice what he preaches. He released a statement in response to a tragic and very public case in which more than 50 men, women, and children were killed after being left to die in the back of a tractor trailer. These poor people, who died primarily of prolonged exposure to extreme heat under the scorching Texas sun, they were illegal immigrants who had just sneaked across the border. Although conservatives are often painted as not caring about the plight of illegals, the exact opposite is true. Sure, we want to stop illegal immigration to deter crime, dependence on social services, and attacks on national sovereignty. But we also want what is best for the would-be migrants themselves. Secretary Mayorkas is right. Human smugglers are not good people. Some might even call them bad hombres. They have no regard for the welfare of the people they traffic. Women and girls are routinely sexually assaulted on these border crossings, and those who fall behind are left to die in the desert. Anyone who cares about the welfare of illegal immigrants should be doing everything possible to discourage them from making this dangerous journey in the first place. If Secretary Mayorkas truly believes what he said about the traffickers, he should be the first person to advocate for building a big, beautiful wall. Instead, the policies he takes on as handed down by the White House seek only to encourage, not discourage, more dangerous illegal border crossings. How many more people must die before the Biden administration mercifully secures our borders once and for all? No child should die in the back of a tractor trailer because of President Biden's horrible policies. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the latest on building the wall to protect our southern border? To the liberal media, it's a joke. But the crisis of illegal aliens is no laughing matter. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're asking serious questions regarding what to build, who's paying for it, and how best to deploy our military. Go to phyllisschlafly.com and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, a, a quick update on a really great story. I'm really pleased to get to give you this update. Um, our friend Hal Shirtliff, Hal Shirtliff, you may remember, um, is a guy who had a case go all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. We had him on the show um, and his his case went to the Supreme Court because he wanted to partace, participate in a tradition in uh, Boston where over the city hall, the Boston City Hall, they will fly a flag, your flag, if you sign up, and they'll fly your team flag, your school flag, all sorts of things. And he wanted to fly a Christian flag, a uh, a flag that actually was, um, was um, I think, in use early in America's founding. It's got a historic reference. But he wanted to do that because he is a Christian and he does the uh, he does these great camps, constitution camps, and, and all sorts of things. He's a wonderful guy and um, really interesting man. Well, Shirtliff, he tried to do this, and he wouldn't, wasn't allowed. 
And the Supreme Court ruled in his favor, of course. That was the case that we had him on talking about um, back in May. It, it ruled and said, no, Boston can't discriminate against this guy. They pl- flew all these other flags, and so they have to let him uh, 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 fly his. And so that was May 2nd, I think. So he had to go. Yeah, there it is. The flag is um, – it's uh, – um, oh yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> the, uh, the flag is a historic flag. And the, the case was Shirtliff v. Boston. Shirtliff v. Boston. So that happened in, um, in May. And he went about then going forward and getting permission. You have to go get in the line and put your name in and get your flag lined up. And so he did all that. So just recently, he did in fact get his, uh, his, um, flag and it, re- it, uh, waved over Boston City Hall, which was wonderful. Um, again, he's a wonderful man and a really interesting guy. And it's wonderful that that happened for him to, uh, to get that done. So Hal Shirtliff, congratulations. Um, as usual, you are a trailblazer doing wonderful things, uh, for lots of people. And especially as you do these wonderful things, whether it's the Constitution camp or this lawsuit, uh, you do, you teach people along the way it's really a cool thing and so uh the um uh it was uh wednesday i guess last wednesday uh when the flag flew over boston city hall so there you have it. congratulations to hal shirtliff and uh, all your good work all right we got to run thank you to noah dingley our great producer of his work thank you to joanna spilgar our associate producer thank you for listening and we will be back uh next we'll be back tomorrow it's ed martin here on the pro america report i will talk to you then Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.